Episode 120 is brought to you by Bonjoro. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know I'm a huge fan of Bonjoro because I just think it sets up that relationship with your new student on the right foot by sending them a nice, short, and sweet personalized video. I've got so much automated in my business, but these Bonjoros are personalized, and that's one reason they work so well. But it doesn't take very much time to do them. Get started with your free trial of Bonjoro by going to bonjoro.com slash Jacques. That's bonjoro.com slash J-A-C-Q-U-E-S. Regular people are taking their knowledge and content, packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. But not everyone is successful with online courses. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And I'm here to help course creators actually succeed with online courses. Hi, I'm Jacques Hopkins, and this is The Online Course Show. And off we go. Welcome aboard. This is The Online Course Show. I'm your host, Jacques Hopkins, and here with me is our co-host, David Crozy. Hey there. And we're excited to dive into all things online courses with you today. David, welcome to episode 120. What's been going on with you? Man, just just being the online course guy, running piano in 21 days, running my family, running my household here as well. One thing interesting I wanted to share with you and the audience is is I hired I made a new hire here recently and it's it's not the traditional sense of hire it's not a full time person or anything you know I've got I've got my assistant Emily who handles so so much for for me and my business and then I've got kind of my full time video and audio editor Fred who is you know edits this podcast hi Fred and then beyond those two like I've got a lot of different people that I count on just when I need them I've got a amazing graphic designer and WordPress guy and just anything I could possibly need. But one 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 type of person that I've, it's it's kind of crazy that I don't have, but that's probably probably because I, f- I felt like I could do this just fine on my own is like a ClickFunnels guy, right? So most most people out there listening know I'm kind of a ClickFunnels guy. I use it for my landing pages and order forms and, and my course. And, and, I, and I'm a big fan in general of of ClickFunnels. And and by the way, I offer a lot of free templates and things when people sign up for the free trial of ClickFunnels using my affiliate link. That's the onlinecourseguy.com slash ClickFunnels. When you sign up for that free trial through that link, you'll get all kind of great stuff from me, including a course as well. But I've always done things myself and it's so easy to do things yourself. But I started working on this task to, to, to update one of my order forms because I've seen some order forms out there that I like better than mine. And and I sat down a few days ago and I was started to work on it. And I'm like 45 minutes in and, and I haven't gotten very far because I'm just running into certain challenges. And I'm like, man, I just like, I want to get this task done because there's more important things I need to be working on, you know, putting out YouTube videos, making podcast content and so on. And I was like, you know, I have always tried to make it my goal of only working on things that need me, right? I've got to be the one recording on this microphone right now. I've got to be the one on camera on my YouTube videos. So editing ClickFunnels order forms, that doesn't need me. <laughs> so I put a post out there on Upwork. I found somebody amazing who started working on on that. And, and I love now having somebody I can count on to make amazing ClickFunnels pages, funnels, and, and updates for me on that platform. That's awesome. Where did you find the person? Did you meet them at the conference or? No, no. I just, you know, anytime I want to find a part-time contractor like that, upwork.com, make a post. I always do 
like a video with Screencast-O-Matic in my post so people can, you know, hear my voice, build a little trust with people. And also I like to, to put right at the end of the video, I always say this, I say, and guys, in your application, tell me your favorite color. And that way I know, because it's very important to me that they watch that video and that they that they're, they have attention to detail and that they follow instructions. And so if somebody is applying to my job and they don't tell me their favorite color, I automatically nix them <laughs> from, the, from the candidacy. Nice, sneaky, sneaky. Yep, so it's working really well. I'm excited about that, man. What's, what's been going on with you? Well, so I'm just about ready to release this webinar launch and decided I've got the main webinar recorded, but I wanted to create a, kep- a couple little, essentially like lead magnets that would pull people into that page. So the idea would be that there'd be the main webinar and then a couple of days later, they'd get this like, here, come and watch this super high value video. Then, you know, a couple of days after that, they get the second opportunity to see the, another one. But one of them in particular, I'm really excited about because it just has kind of this clickbaity title where I'm like, people are going to be curious about this story. It's essentially, because again, this is going for chiropractors and chiropractors, most of us would like referrals from medical doctors and like personal injury attorneys where they'd send people to us who have been in car accidents. So it's the medical doctor and personal injury attorney marketing strategy that works wonders and nearly got me shot. <laughs> I'll go ahead and tell the story. So the essentially the marketing strategy, again, before I moved to Iowa, I practiced out in Washington state. And we got this envelope in the mail from this local physical therapist. And he essentially explained that myself and the other doctor in the office were in this photo contest. And so there was a picture of like him and his family on a hike with a lake in the background. Then it had a postcard with two questions on it, like, what lake is this? And then some other random question about that area and multiple choice answers. And it was a postcard where it was addressed back to his office. And so for the next like five weeks, each week we got one of these. Well, eventually I met the guy through this cycling club and I asked him about it. I said, hey, did that work well? And he said, dude, that's been by far the most effective marketing that I've ever done. So anyways, I moved to Iowa all excited to open my office and I was like, I'm going to do this too. And I decided my theme was going to be Doors of Des Moines. And so I picked these like six historic significant buildings. And then my girlfriend from Washington State was out visiting. And I was like, this will be really fun. We got a two and a half hour window. We can go out and take pictures of these six buildings. So, but we we had to like meet my parents afterwards. So we were on a pretty limited time amount, but we got the first five done. And the sixth one was this like historic mansion called Terrace Hill. And I remembered when I was in sixth grade, our class came down and like toured it. I just remembered it as this like big historic mansion. And so we like this girl, Molly and I, we like pulled up and parked on the side of the street and we like ran up and took a couple took quick pictures of the first door, then ran around. There was a second door on the far side and we took a picture and then we're like running back to the car and a policeman comes like running toward us with his gun out pointing it at us. And he's like, you know, stop, stop. And so we stopped just like in total shock and he comes up, he's like, what are you doing? And then I tried to explain like, which obviously this is already a rambling story, but I'm like, I'm a chiropractor. I'm trying to do a photo contest as a marketing thing. I'm like, what is the deal? And he said, well, he said the first family lives here. And I was like, first family. But my girlfriend, Molly was the one that said it. She said, the president lives here. 
And the guy's like, no, no, this is the governor's mansion. He's like, the governor's family lives on the second and third floor of this building. Anyways, he let us go. Nobody got shot. Anyways, that that marketing program, we did it three years in a row, and it definitely built relationships with medical doctors and attorneys. So yeah, I, I, think, I think that I'll be able to get a bunch of chiropractors to jump in and hit that landing page. The other thing I wanted to mention just briefly is my Facebook group has kind of gone dead, where if I post something, I don't think anybody's seeing it. And so... So what I'm going to do today is actually, I've seen other people do this in groups, but I'm going to say, all right, I'm considering sharing these two super high value things, you know, the medical doctor marketing strategy, and then this other one. If you're, if you're interested in seeing this, you know, type yes below. And I think that I can get like, you know, 60 to 80 people to actually see this. And then I'll be asking those people, I'll be like, I'm only sending this out by email. And so just confirming that they're actually receiving my emails. So that's a strategy that I'm going to do later today to try to essentially revive a a somewhat dead Facebook group. Very cool. Well, first on the story, I mean, I think it's it's really important to, to tell stories like that in our marketing. I try, you know, almost every time I put out a video or even an email, like there's going to be some sort of story in that. I think story is incredibly powerful. I mean, we learned that in, well, in Expert Secrets, but but obviously Story Brand by Donald Miller, which are both basically required reading for, for listeners of this podcast. And as far as the Facebook groups go, yeah, I think Facebook is going to show posts in Facebook groups to people when, when there's more engagement and more interest in those posts. So if you put a post out there and people are constantly replying, yes, 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 and liking it and all that, then that may be a way to kind of revive that a little bit. I so, hope so I like that strategy. You got you to keep putting value out there for, for Facebook to want to show your stuff. Facebook, Facebook likes Facebook. <laughs> yes, and they it does. Want to, they want to keep people there and with, with as much good content as possible. So, all right, David, well, let's, let's jump over to the, the interview, the focus of today. I had a really great conversation with Hadar. She, she doesn't do evergreen launches. She does two live launches a year and does them very, very effectively. So if you're out there and, and like more of the live launch strategy, this is a good one for you. So without further ado, let's go ahead and play the full interview with Hadar right now. Hi, Hadar. Welcome to the Online Course Show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Let's start this way. What came first for you, your brand or your course? Oh, I think it's definitely my brand, but I didn't know it was a brand <laughs> until I started creating courses. Explain that. What do you mean you didn't know it was a brand? Well, it's just me, right? So it was for years, it was just me teaching with my name and the name because I start. I, I have a YouTube channel, but I didn't consider it to be a, a brand. I just thought that I'm a teacher teaching and then things ended up being, you know, things gotten bigger for me and bigger. And then I said, okay, how can I scale up and how can I reach more and more people? And then I said, I started, you know, creating courses and going online. And then I realized that I'm a brand. (laughs) Okay. But you know, when I say brand, your brand is obviously you've got your name, but you've also got the accents way, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So has, has your YouTube channel always been called the accents way? Yes. But also it's a funny thing because when I created that name, it was just, for me, it was 
I had my name in Hebrew that I used as my, as I was, because I started just as a private teacher. And then I thought about how to translate the name. So it wasn't something that I came up with. It wasn't all planned. It was just something that I did on the go. But I ended up like staying with Accents Way and creating a website under the Accents Way. So, so yes, that was definitely there before, before my online courses. How did you get started with, with online stuff? Was it, was it starting a YouTube channel or was it somewhere else? Yeah, I think it started with my YouTube channel. Actually, I wanted to create a course first and I created a video for the course and I uploaded it to YouTube because I thought that I'm not going to use it. So let's see how, what happens if I upload it to YouTube and then I left it there and I forgot about it. And then I came back a few months later and I realized that it had like 50,000 views and okay, that's interesting. It was just, I just put it out there, but I didn't think people are actually going to watch it. And then I realized, and I uploaded a few more YouTube videos and that went really well as well. So I decided to be more consistent about it before creating a course. And then actually I did not create any courses and I only created content for about two years. Well, it sounds like, you know, I talked to a lot of people who who just kind of start something and they start building an audience and they start building a brand. They don't really know where it's going to, where it's going, how they're going to monetize it. But in your case, it sounds like you had this online course idea from the start. Well, I was working with groups, live groups for years. So I knew like the, the concept of building a course. I already had a course structured and I have purchased online courses myself. And I said, why don't I do that? But then I pivoted and I decided just to create content online, having that, you know, like in the back of my mind, I knew that I'm going to do that someday, but it took me a long time to create a good base to gain the confidence to actually build the course eventually. Okay. Now, when I go to theaccentsway.com, I'm trying to find your course, all right? At the top, there's a few things I can click on, video magazine, podcast about, and then there's online workshop. Is that your course? Yes, but it's not... I, I only launch it like a couple times a year, a couple why, times Why is year. that, right? Because I can't enroll right now. Accent right. makeover, speak English like a badass. Registration is now closed. Right. Why is that? Well, first of all, when I launch a course, because I, I used to have it open all of the time and people would register. But one of the things that I discovered is when I close registration and then I open it, of course, the demand is much higher because it creates scarcity. So that's just, a, that's my strategy, first of all. Second, it's really time consuming to go into such projects because I really want people to be engaged and be a part of the group. And it only happens if everyone goes into it together because I mentor them and I have mentors who coach people in the Facebook group. And when people do it separately, they tend to just quit really soon, really early on. And I've noticed that when people do it together, that's when people actually stay almost until the end and they develop friendships and accountability and, you know, they do peer learning, which is basically what that's my vision. So it's not just them consuming the content alone. So I think that has a lot of value. And 
it, it, it had a tremendous impact once I decided to close registration to create that demand, the need for the course. And then, you know, when I open it, it's, I open it for about 10 days and the results are great. So I think that's a good strategy. <laughs> I should launch more often, like three times <laughs> a year, but launches have been, the first few launches were really demanding. Like they were, mm-hmm. I was exhausted by the end of the launch, but now it's much easier for me. Now I have a system in place and I usually just rinse and repeat. Well, there's no doubt that launches work, which is why you're using them. And I would I would venture to say that you're probably getting most of your enrollments on that first day of the launch and the last day of the launch. Yep. I would imagine that if you combine those, it's significantly more than the other eight days of your launch period. But most people wouldn't want to just launch twice a year because that's not very consistent income throughout the year. So when you're not launching, how are you making money? Well, I do have an offline school too. So I do have coaches and I coach in companies. So that brings in a nice stream of revenue. But also because I have payment plans, I do have income coming in consistently. Even though I don't launch, you know, it takes about five or six months until, you know, this all payments are paid and then we start another launch again. So I have these two. Now I'm creating smaller products to launch in between because so it's like smaller launches. I can, it's, it's easier to manage. So I don't have to go all in. I can just write a few emails. So I actually created like this smaller version of the course for people who want to do it on their own. And I'm going to also offer it as a downsell for people who haven't registered. So they'll still have something because, and they were engaged during the launch. So... Are you familiar with 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 evergreen launches? Mm-hmm. I'm. I, I definitely want to do that at some point. The system around it is a little kind of like intimidating. I do love live launches too. I love it. Like I love the webinars. I love the energy around it. So I'm. I, I feel like I'm procrastinating it because I really enjoy it, and I'm not sure it's going to have the same impact as my live launches that are, you know, really like, it's always super surprising. They are very successful. So for me, it feels like if this is working for me, I might keep that. And I am working on a membership site right now that I'm launching in just a few days. I have my beta launch in just a few days for teachers. And I have another membership site planned to start in like a few months. So I feel like this will bring in the, you know, the consistent revenue every month. And then in addition to that, we'll have the three launches for the courses. Well, you mentioned that one of the reasons you like doing it the way you do it is so that kind of everybody comes in together and it's almost cohort and and people can go through it together. And that's certainly an advantage of live launches. I was just curious your thoughts there as somebody who seems to be pretty set on the live launches. Now, if if somebody else listening to this is also into the live launches, but maybe isn't as successful as you've been? Do you have any tips on doing live launches? That even something that feels like a mistake or a failure or you missed something, it's always a great opportunity to learn because I really feel that I have made a lot of mistakes and I've spent a lot, wasted a lot of time and, you know, like the wrong emails and sending it to the wrong segment. And but I have learned how to do that on my own. Now I have a team, but before that, it was just me. And I feel like this has become successful only because 
I was able to do a few, you know, less successful launches. So that's one thing. And to plan ahead, <laughs> that's really helpful. At least have most of the emails written out and kind of like the webinars ahead of time if you launch with webinars or a challenge or, but at the same time, always be innovative because when you feel that something is not working, or when you feel that this is, you know, that you get bored with it, because this is what happened to me the last launch, I felt like I was doing the same thing as a previous launch and everything was planned out. And then I decided to just add in a challenge just for fun. And it was good. So, but it wasn't planned out, but still I was able to do that. And I think that when you plan in, in advance, you leave room for creativity and discovery. And I think now I know how to combine the two for next time, like the challenge and the, you know, the, the rest of the launch. Just so I uh, get an understanding of like magnitude and, and success here, can you give us a ballpark number of how many students enrolled the last time you live launched? The last time I launched, I think it was 320 or 340, something like that. And before that, 300, something along those lines. That's really, really good. I'm sure you know yeah. that. Yeah. That's fantastic. Congratulations. And, <laughs> and I guess you. your next launch is, is coming up in, in March? In March. Yeah. Yeah. In March. And I have for, for this course, but I do have the launch for the membership site, which is going to be a lower scale right. launch. Do you, do you change things up with, the, with how you launch each time or, or once it works? I mean, you, th you got 300 people and you got 300, over 300 people. Like, do you just, when it's not broken, don't change it? That's, it's so true, but I'm, I have this, like, it's in my nature to always try and change stuff up. Just because, and it's not a good thing necessarily, because if it has worked in the past, I mean, I should just keep it. So I keep it. I just, I just try to improve it each time, but I do use the same, I, I, the webinars, I still use the webinars, the good emails, like the sale, the, the sales page that worked. I, I'm not touching it because I did do, I did, I, I did change it drastically and it started converting a lot better the last two launches. So this is something that I'm not going to touch. So basically everything that worked for me, I leave and then I'm just adding up some stuff like those, you know, maybe a challenge or an offer for a scholarship and do something around that with Instagram or try out new things that I haven't tried before. Once I, because I feel more confident about all the other stuff that I feel I can explore other things as well and then see how, you know, how it affects the results. Now, when you do these live launches, are most of your sales coming from your existing email list? Mostly from my email list. The last launch, I also used Facebook ads. Before that, I haven't. So last launch, I also experimented with Facebook ads, but it's not my strong, like I'm not very, I'm not that experienced with Facebook ads. And I definitely want to put more emphasis there in the next launch. Well, I mean, let me just jump into the where, where I was trying to go with that. And that's how are you generating most of your traffic, right? And I'm not just talking about traffic during a launch because a lot of traffic, I'm sure, comes throughout the year and then ends up on an email list and then you're launching to them. Right. But in general, right, you could have the best course in the world. You could have the best right. you know, sales funnel in the world. But if you're not getting any traffic, then it doesn't really matter. How are you generating traffic? I 
release a high quality video every single week, a lot of freebies. So I do have a lot of lead magnets that I share with my videos. So I do build up my list consistently. I now have a podcast. So I release two pieces of content every week and I repurpose them. So basically I try to reach my audience wherever they are at. And I definitely feel the impact. Once I started my podcast, I feel that my list has grown significantly, but we're constantly connected on Instagram and on, I have a Facebook group, a very active Facebook group. I'm very active in the comments on on YouTube. So I, I'm not only releasing content. I also, you know, I'm also constantly engaging with my audience on a day-to-day basis. So they, they, they've been asking me, when are you going to launch? They all know the title, the name of my course. They're all waiting for it. There is like a wait list with 2000 people on it. The, they're waiting for it. And once I'm ready to sell, they're interested in buying because they're already, they already know me and how I teach and they want to, they want more. So several traffic sources, YouTube, Facebook group, you mentioned a little bit of Facebook ads, your podcast. Yep. You mentioned a word that I'd like to dive into a little bit. That word you said was repurpose, right? Mm-hmm. What does is, what is content repurposing mean for you? That means that if I create a video on YouTube, then I also turn it into a podcast episode. I create an introduction. So I, I speak a little bit to the audience so it, they feel like it's um, one of my regular episodes. And then I tell them what we're going to do is we're going to listen to an audio from my video, my YouTube video, and, and then I share the audio. So I talk about it in the rhythm of the podcast, right? Like, so it's a little slower. I speak a little more because my YouTube videos are very concise in terms of how I teach. Not that concise. I do like to talk. So, so I do introduce it and then I, I add the audio and vice versa. So if I create just a podcast episode, I put it up on YouTube with an introduction, a video introduction, me telling them, hey, I have, you know, I'm sharing with you now the audio of my podcast episode and you can subscribe there. So I send them there as well. And that helps me also grow my podcast audience. Are you, are you taking little clips and putting them on, on Instagram or other platforms as well? Yeah, absolutely. So I do. Sometimes I upload the entire video to IGTV, but that doesn't work as well because if the YouTube video is longer, then I usually cut it and put it up. Sometimes I record my podcast on Zoom, like what we're doing now, and I record it in addition to you know the recording software, I record it on Zoom and then I cut clips from it as well. So this is something else that I, I've done and it has worked nicely. I put it on Facebook, I put it on Instagram, but I do address each platform differently. So I don't just like copy paste everything. I write different copy and I do edit it differently sometimes if I can, if I have the capacity and the time. Now, you, you did mention earlier that you have a team. So do you have somebody maybe dedicated to doing this repurposing of content or is that something you're, all, you're doing all yourself? I do, I do. So right now, the entire team, like we, I don't have one person doing just the repurposed content, but I have an audio guy and I have like my virtual assistant and I have a video editor. So usually they know what they need to do. I 
ultimately tell them what parts to take. But even that I'm trying to delegate as much as possible. So, you know, cause, cause creating two pieces, two different pieces of content, that's a lot of work and, you know, to write the newsletter and to write the posts and all of that. So I am trying to delegate as much as possible to my team. So you said you put out at least one new high quality video every week mm-hmm. on on YouTube and you've got, I'm looking at it now, you've got 237,000 subscribers right. on YouTube. How different do you think your business would be today if you didn't put out a weekly video on YouTube? Totally different. It would be nothing like what I have today. It has everything to do with, first of all, YouTube is the biggest platform that I have, like biggest audience. And I think video in particular for what I do and what I teach is the best way to connect with my audience and to truly give them value. I do feel that, you know, like the podcast now is also really, really helpful in making that true connection with my audience. But I don't think I would have had the courage to do that without, you know, the history and the experience that I have creating videos. But it absolutely has everything to do with, you know, with where I am today and with the community that we have, community on Facebook, because it all started with the YouTube channel and the videos there. I think that's a great reminder for people because a lot of times when somebody gets into online courses, wants to get into online courses, they start with the course and and forget about the the audience part and the, the free content part, right? And to hear from somebody like yourself and how important it is to have been releasing those weekly free YouTube videos in terms of building your audience. How long have you been doing that? I was just talking about that on one of my podcast episodes on the compound effect, how like for the first year or two, I would release a video and then would only get a few hundred views. And it was so frustrating. Sometimes it, was, it would be like such a complicated video and like so much time put into it. And then I would upload it and nothing crickets, (laughs) you know, like three people commenting, but I would still upload a video every single week, no matter what, even though it took a long, long, you know, time. And it was just me and my partner. But I knew even without having a course, I knew that there is a reason why I should keep on creating content and, and doing this if I want to scale up and if I want to build build something more sustainable. But how do you not run out of ideas to put out a weekly video? Oh, I just I just talk to my people. <laughs> like they keep asking questions. I just listen to what they need. And also I do I have been teaching for 10 years. I know every like I know it. I know how they think. I know how we think because I'm a non-native speaker as well, right? So I know the struggles that I have gone through. And every time someone asks a question, I try to understand what is standing behind it. So a lot of times it's not even, because I don't just teach pronunciation. I don't teach how to speak with a clear accent. I teach the psyche behind it, like the how to even perceive yourself as a non-native speaker, the confidence that you need to gather, the, the obstacles, the all the things that make you feel self-conscious, the limiting beliefs. Like I think it's an integral part of speaking a second language and it has to be addressed. So a lot of times I just listen to how they speak and what they say and I try to identify the thing, the, the limiting belief behind it and I address it and I speak to that. So because I'm in this constant connection with them, I... I never run out of ideas. I hope I never will, but you know, it's all it takes is one question. 
to ask them, what do you want to hear? Yeah, I think I think as long as you keep listening to your audience or not, it doesn't even have to be your audience. It can just be people that are a good fit to be in your audience. So maybe maybe somebody out there is listening. They don't have a big audience like you do. But if you go listen and hang out where your potential audience is, right. you can still be listening to what they're struggling with. And I hope you don't mind the you know so many questions on YouTube. I, I'm I'm very impressed by your channel and your process there because I I really feel like people like to overcomplicate things and that you can really build a successful online course business with just a YouTube channel yep. and a and a funnel and a really good course. The, Absolutely. You know, those three things. It really doesn't have to be that complicated. So last thing on YouTube, are there any other tips or anything you'd recommend for success on YouTube? Well, I do think now I've come to see that (laughs) the no matter like what you put in the video, I mean, you really need to come up with a really good title to get them to watch. Because at first I would put something that is really legit, like trying to trying to explain what they're going to see in the video. And it's all about copywriting. It's all about marketing. And I had to learn a lot about that in order to create better content. Also, when I create videos, I also think about the audience. So I never just share with them new content or I share my lesson, but I also tackle the objections. And I do everything that I would do in a sales page in a video because I say, well, you must be thinking that I don't need to learn this because this, this, and that. And then, you know, and then it's easier for them to go into it. And I think that's also something that has been really, really powerful for me. Like once I started doing that, I saw the difference and I saw the engagement going up. Responding to comments is really important. You can just put a video out there and, you know, just like ignore what people write to you because they'll write it for the first time and second time. And then they'll be like, what's the point? And of course, the more comments you have, the video is pushed more to the suggested page, right? So you do want to have a lot of engagement, especially in the first few hours of the video. So it will show up more and YouTube will push it more and then people click on it more. What... What advice, more in general, for for course creators or, or really people who have an expertise in something like you do, with with teaching people to speak English, like themselves, right? What what advice do you have for for people with this knowledge that want to take that and turn it into hopefully a successful online course? I think that you can always start small. Like you don't have to create your signature course right at the start. You can start with a small webinar, a small workshop. If you find yourself like procrastinating or stuck because you 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 have the knowledge and you don't know what to do then you can start with just like a live course this is how i started i actually started this course with a live workshop and i actually built the website on the go so i would upload the content and then i would upload all the exercises that they needed week by week by week and then i had something basic and that from there it was a lot easier to go into something more more advanced. But I think that from, from, you know, like where I was before to what I have today, that would be impossible for me to do without that middle step and like to sell the course before I actually have it. So for me, it was actually powerful and it got me to finish up the course. It got me to do the course. And also, I mean, a lot of people get hung up on the equipment and, 
you know, like I can't film it because it's not going to look professional and this and that. My course was filmed on Zoom with a pretty basic webcam. And that's still my course. And I, you know, my launches are six figures and people rave about the course after. No one has ever said anything about the quality of the videos because it's all about the content and how it's laid out and the support that they get and the feeling that they've accomplished something, that they're actually going through some change there because I really, really do support them. So if someone is scared about the technical part or that's like, it really doesn't matter that much. You can always improve it. Once you start bringing money in and then you'll be able to pay people or to take some time off to invest more time into designing it or all the rest. I love that. I was I was talking to a very successful course creator recently and she recorded her first course with, with her iPhone. And that was several years ago. And even today, she still records new courses on her iPhone really just to prove a point and how easy Amazing. it is yeah. to record courses and how you have these tools just right in your pocket. So speaking of tools, what, what like software or other tools do you use and recommend for executing your online course business? Well, I do. I use Camtasia to record my, if I have a slideshow and I, you know, like I use it with voiceover, that's what I use. I use basic tools. Like my course is, uh, I, I, is on a WordPress uh, website. So we created it right now. So I'm not using other platforms. But that's it. We have a bunch of plugins and, you know, but the actual creation of the course is really simple. I connect th- with them through Zoom. So we have those live webinars, weekly coaching sessions where I coach them on Zoom. We upload it to the website. Really simple. I don't use a lot of a lot of fancy software. I really don't need to. So you're not even for for hosting your course. You're not even using like a Teachable or Thinkific or anything like that. We built it. But I think it's just because. Well, email for email, I use Active Campaign. Okay, that's what I use. Yeah. Oh, very nice. And a Facebook group. Yeah. <laughs> Facebook group. Yeah. So I mean, basically, you are you're killing it. And, and you're not overcomplicating things. It sounds like you've got your processes, you've got a few tools that you use and, and you really just kind of keep things simple. Is that fair yeah. assessment? Yeah. I mean, it's not that simple because there, there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot, you know, all the, you, I do work with the automations and, but, but other than that, yes, like, you know, it's just all the details that go in together and the customer support and all of that. But other than that, really like in terms of the tech part, it's it's very, very basic. And if I didn't have someone that would, because my partner and I, we work together, my husband, and he just, he happens to be, you know, a, a graphic designer and he creates web, uh, websites. So he happened to create my website, but if he wasn't there, I would have just easily taken up, you know, Kajabi or Teachable or something else. Like that really doesn't matter. The simpler it is, the better. Because you really want to invest time in what really matters, which is your audience, your your how you create your offer, you know, your messaging. That's it. Next, I want to ask you about testimonials. Mm-hmm. How important do you think having testimonials from people that have gone through your course or even just seeing some of your free content is in terms of getting new students into your course? Super important. Super important. That's crucial, I think. Because people need that. They need to have like that social proof that it has worked. And I don't do the before and after. It's an accent course, but I never want to put my students on the spot, even though I could, you know, show some amazing results. I just want to share their stories. And I do it I like with videos. 
I have a ton of testimonials on my page and I actually like in the next launch, I'm going to have a separate page just for testimonials. So I'm going to weave them in into the, the sales page, but also have another website just with testimonials and case studies. And before each launch, I also share an interview with one of my students. So that also leads up. So it's a sort of testimonial and it leads up to, to the launch as well. So that's, that's how I connect it. And because at the end of the day, there are a ton of people who do what I do. The most important thing is how people feel about, you know, the experience. Anyone can get like a good copywriter and write good content, right? Yeah. (laughs) Sure. But most of the time, people aren't just going to send you testimonials unsolicited. Do you have a process a process in place to get testimonials? I do send them a survey at the end of the program. And I also have a section there where I say, if you're interested in sharing your testimonial, here are a few questions and a place for them to add a picture. And sometimes I would just, you know, they usually write posts on Facebook. So we ask them if we can use the their posts in to, to use it. If people are uncertain whether or not they, they want to buy the course and they're more than happy to recommend or to allow us to use the, their words. Very, very cool. This has been uh, jam-packed with lots of Lots of great takeaways. Hadar, thank you so much for joining me today. To wrap up, let us thank know if there's you any, so much. Let us know if there's mm-hmm. anything else you want to share and where people can find your stuff online. Well, what I want to share is that, you know, if, if you have something to share, you have to do it because it not just because creating courses is nice and profitable and, you know, like it's it's also super interesting to do that, but also because you serve the people who need you and you give value to people that you don't know, which is incredible, like knowing that someone on the other side of the world is benefiting or is enjoying and changing their lives because of something that you have created. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, a course that teaches you how to play the piano, change, improve your English or build your business, right? Like people need small changes when, and when they feel that they have improved in one area of their lives, it starts going into, you know, it has the, a ripple effect. So it really does improve people's lives when they do something that they love. And you can find me on theaccentsway.com. And on Instagram, it's hadar.accentsway. And on YouTube, it's Accentsway English with Hadar. All right. Thank you so much, Hadar. All right. That's a wrap on the conversation with Hadar. David, welcome back. Thank you. As we were leading into the interview about Hadar's two live launches that she does a year. And, you know, I kind of pressed on her a little bit about that. You know, have you heard of Evergreen Funnels and all that? But she seems pretty set in her ways here and for good reason. And, you know, there's no one strategy that's going to to work for everybody. And it sounds like these two live launches every year are working just fantastic for her. Yeah, I mean... I, I love the interview. I mean, at some point she said that she's done a six-figure launch. And so, you know, with the way that most of the sales come in on the last day, I'm thinking like she she probably has had like a $100,000 day. And I mean, just to think about that is like mind-blowing. Like, I mean, she might be addicted to that rush because I don't know, that would just be... I mean, my biggest day of online course sales was like maybe $2,800. I don't know. Do you know your biggest single day? Yeah, just for me, my biggest single day was just over six thousand dollars in revenue. Yeah, so I, which is which is which is amazing. But there wasn't anything super special about that that day. Just things things came together. I, I 
I'd like to think about like, okay, what if I was doing two launches, two live launches a day for piano in 21 days? I get it. I bet I could get some pretty big launches going on. But like I said in the interview, I'd rather spread it out. You know, I want that consistent income. But I was thinking, you know, she's got a lot. She's got a lot going on. She's got kind of an in-person school there where she lives in Tel Aviv. And I think the the live launches could be a good strategy for if you do have a lot going on, right? You've got you've got several different projects, several different income streams. And these, these could be a way to just kind of mix up your year and throw something else in there like she does. And so... I think if I had more going on, maybe more more coaching and, and more revenue streams, that maybe it would be a good strategy. Another part of it is, you know, she mentioned she mentioned the payment plan. You know, if you if you've got a six month payment plan and you're launching twice a year, well, that you're gonna get income throughout. You know, imagine if half those students elect for the payment plan, you're gonna get a lot of revenue for those next six months, and then once those run out, launch again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it would be. And she mentioned, you know, it's really great for her to see these members within it build friendships. I mean, it just sounds like she gets much better follow through with the way that she's running it and actually people getting the great results. So I definitely after listening to this one, I would say this was one of the most inspiring ones where I was like, one of the course ideas that I have, I should just do it as a challenge and basically pre-sell it and do a group. And, you know, I haven't done that. And it's been confident that confidence that's kept me back. But I feel like I could do it and have fun and it would motivate me to put out a course quicker. So yeah, she was super inspiring for me. Yeah, 100%. She's she's obviously on top of things. Now I had one other big takeaway from this conversation. Can you guess what it was for me? It's about repurposing, isn't it? Well, yeah, close. I mean, that repurposing, what, what my big takeaway leads into repurposing and that was the consistent YouTube con- content, right? Mm-hmm. She said that her business would be nowhere near what it is without that consistent YouTube content. And I preach that, guys, you can't just have an online course, put it out there, maybe try running ads to it. Like, let's get on a platform like a YouTube or a podcast and start putting out authentic, free, and consistent content. Content And Hadar's been doing that for a while. And, and she's grown a very, very healthy uh, YouTube channel, YouTube following. And that is directly related to her success as an online course creator. And if you look at her YouTube channel, like she's doing things right. She's got great thumbnails. She's got compelling titles. She's doing it right. But like she said, it wasn't an instant success. She had to just stay consistent with it and slowly build it over time. And so I I think almost every course creator out there should have a YouTube channel where they're putting out consistent, consistent content. And so that was a, that was a great, a great reminder for, for that. And then, you know, she does the same thing with the podcast now too. She added to it once she, once she streamlined YouTube, she started adding another platform and a podcast. And then she takes both those and repurposes the content. Amazing. Yeah. I loved it. That idea of, of taking, like, I mean, if you take this podcast and then just do a, an intro for YouTube and then just roll the podcast, I mean, it's all about having your content wherever people are at. So very good. Yeah. Or taking my YouTube videos and, and maybe having some of those as podcast content and then taking clips, putting them in different place, places. I think, you know, repurpose is is a big buzzword right now. And, and not a lot of people are doing it effectively or the right way once you once you nail it down it's it's pretty effective and that's that's one thing i'm working on right now you know focus on some core pieces of content and then repurpose those in in other places yeah the only other thing that i had was she you asked her how do you keep coming up with content and 
You know, I mean, she made it simple. She said, just see what people are asking in the groups and see what they're sending in as questions and just let every question you get asked be content that you you end up developing. So that was super helpful. Yeah, I don't I don't think I could ever run out of content, you know, if I, if I think about this brand, the online course guy, even if it's even if I run out of like questions and things people are saying to me within my own audience, I could jump over to other people's audiences. You know, I I've I've been looking at like the Teachable Facebook group and the Thinkific Facebook group and people are constantly struggling with things with online courses and so I could take each one of those and turn them into a, you know, a nice piece of content and and you could do the same. People listening in whatever niche you're in, it doesn't just ha- you don't have to just listen to your specific audience. You can go out there and see where your potential audience is hanging out and, and listen to what struggles they're having and do your best to help them solve those issues. And that will make you successful. So that's going to do it for this episode. David, thanks for joining me. And thank you out there to everybody that's listening. If you want to find the show notes, the links from today's episode, you can find those at the onlinecourseguy.com slash 120. And don't forget, I've got a course on courses and it's free. So check that out. It's not going to be free forever. It's called the Online Course Accelerator, and it can get you from nothing to your first course sale within eight weeks. So check that out at theonlinecourseguy.com and click on Online Course Accelerator at the top. And if this is your first time, then I recommend the next episode you listen to is episode 89, which is our Online Courses 101 episode. Thanks again, everyone. We'll talk next week. (laughs) 